So, Mike, uh, I'm returning the favor that uh, you gave me last week of being exhausted. And I really shouldn't complain because I had a much less intense night than you did when you flew from the United States <laughs> to, to London in order to record. But I, I had a very tough night, Mike. I was up until 1.30 in the morning. I'm very sleepy. I woke up at 5.30. I know. And actually, we spoke to each other last, what, four or five hours ago, six hours ago, something like that? More than that. Yeah, I assume that, well, that people know what this is about. We were part of a podcast special, which I won't spoil for the live listeners, so we'll put a link in the show notes to it. Yeah, and so we, we spoke at about one in the morning my time, which was about six in the morning your time, mm-hmm. and... I got to say, I I don't recall a time when we spoke in a podcasting sense, when you and I have spoken and then like eight hours later spoken again. <laughs> well, no, because the logistics of making that occur just based upon how the time works for both of us. Yeah, exactly. It's a nightmare that neither of us would actually choose to do yes. for anything other than being on a cool thing with friends. So, yeah, that's exactly you know. right. But uh, so funny thing about last week's episode, as I was uh, polishing it up to finish off the edit and stuff, as you do, and we're going to talk about the editing process of this show a little bit later on for a different reason. Mm -hmm. But as I was finalizing the episode based upon your uh, facts and figures, (laughs) I go through little clips and, you know, I hear parts of the episode. There were huge chunks of the show that I have literally no memory of, which is terrifying. This has never happened to me before. I mean, yeah, I'll always eventually forget things or whatever, but I was like listening to myself talk. I was like, I do not remember having this conversation. Was that so, another human being using my body to have this conversation? Very, very peculiar, very weird. Uh, so yeah, if you enjoyed last week's episode, that's why it was like that. Um, I think I have maybe another one of those coming up in January. So oh, that we sounds, have that to look forward to. That sounds super fun. Yeah, but I, I'm sleepy. I'm not as sleepy as you were last time, for sure. But I am definitely sleepy. So if uh, if I say something stupid, we'll blame, uh, we'll blame a holiday party. We won't blame me. But mm-hmm. with that said, there's been some news since you and I last spoke. You, my friend, have decided to leave your iPads behind and get yourself a brand new Mac. So tell me about this. No, I just got a Mac to use with my iPad. Oh, it was worth a shot. <laughs> I have a Mac Mini. I bought a really great Mac Mini. It's, it's a. I think this Mac Mini is about, if not a little bit more in some areas, powerful than my iMac. Um, it's got some better specs, but the you know falls down on the graphics because it's a Mac Mini. But I have more RAM in the Mac Mini, and I think it has a slightly better processor than than my iMac does. Because my iMac is like it's a 2015 iMac, 5K iMac. Um, I got this when they went 5K. So when the iMac went to 5K, I bought this one, and it's been a champ ever since. And I don't have any desire to change it until maybe the Mac Pro, which I'll enjoy talking to you about at great length um, when 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 that happens. Mm-hmm. But I bought a Mac Mini. Um, for a few reasons, one of them is because I had a cool idea to use of a product that is a sponsor on other Relay FM shows, as a disclaimer, called the Lunar Display, uh, which is this little thing. You've probably heard about it if you listen to some of our other shows, but it's a little thing that you, you plug into the back of a Mac and you can then use an iPad as the monitor for, for that Mac or as like a second display or whatever. But I am I have it attached to my Mac Mini, which I'm running headless, which means it has no monitor attached to it. 
Uh, and then I just open up the Lunar Display app on my iPad Pro, and that's how I interact with the Mac Mini when I'm in the house. Because it only works when you're in the same on the same Wi-Fi network. Um, but uh, and then I can use I use if I want to, I can use uh, the VNC app screens, uh, which I quite like, and that's a way to access that device when I'm out of the house. So that's what I'm kind of that's so. Why did I do this? I hear you ask, like, why is it so important <laughs> to me that I would do this? Well, every now and then there are things, and this doesn't happen a lot, but it, it happens, right? That there are things that my iPad can't do, but a Mac can. And now I don't have to come into the office and turn on my iMac because I put it, I shut it down every day. Um, I don't have to turn it on. My Mac mini is just sitting there ready and waiting. All I got to do is open the Luna display app and I'm off to the races. Yeah, it's very funny to use Luna in this way. So I actually kickstarted Luna Display. I, I would think on the first couple of days it, it existed, and I have since gotten mine. And this, I am not paid to say this. I don't know if they've ever sponsored ATP. I can't recall off the top of my head, but but certainly to my recollection, they have not sponsored Analog. But I can no. tell you that I love this thing. It is extremely cool and. Super clever. Very, very impressive. So what you do is you, you plug it in either to, you, there's one of, there's two different models. You can get one that works with older Macs that works across, uh, what is it, DisplayPort, Thunderbolt, whatever it's called. It doesn't ultimately matter. DisplayPort. Thank you. Um, and then there's a newer one, well, the, both of the Luna displays are the same age, but there's a one for newer Macs that works on USB-C. So you plug this into a USB-C Mac, which I can do with my adorable. Of course, then I can't plug anything else in, including power, but that's a different issue. <laughs> but I can uh, I can plug this into my adorable. And the, the, the ostensible idea of Luna Display is that, and I've done this actually, this very thing, is let's say I go to the library to do work and I have my iPad and my MacBook with me, I can plug in the Luna display to the MacBook, start up the Luna mm -hmm. app on the iPad, and I now have a two-screen setup that's extremely portable. And that was ostensibly the reason that Luna display existed. But I don't know if it was you or Steve Trouton-Smith or Federico or somebody else. It doesn't really matter. But somebody had the idea of, well... I, th I think it was my idea. Okay. So, like, I just made reference to it on an episode after the Mac Mini either was about to come out or came out. And then Luna Display made a video where they show how you could do it when the Mac Mini did come out. And then a bunch of other people did it. Right. But to my knowledge, I just kind of referenced it offhand as a thing I would like to try, mm -hmm. not knowing if it would work. Um, and, and the key yeah. here, the, the new thought technology that Mike brought to the table was that the Luna Display app on your iPad is interactive it is not strictly read only so to speak like you can tap on your screen and it will translate that to be a click on your mac and so what mike said was well how about i just don't bother with a display on my mac mini at all and i will basically run it exclusively via the luna display app and so now you have effectively turned your ipad into an even better computer you're gonna let me get away with that? <laughs> I'm just—I figure it's sometimes it's best to just say these things rather than try and fight with you. But it is a better computer now. My iPad is now a better computer. It's actually both, yeah, because it can do everything. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I get you a computer that can do both. <laughs> my Mac can't do the iOS stuff, but my iPad can do the Mac stuff. Now, this isn't the only reason I've gotten this because that would be like a stupid thing to do. Right to just buy a Mac Mini to just to do this, it is one of a selection of things that I want to do. So, another is having like just yet another backup location, um, and this is in a couple of different things. This is 
a backup, i.e. photos, get pushed to it, right? And I'm thinking about how to set up my Dropbox. I haven't worked that out yet. Um, like, because I don't think I want everything to go there, so I'm thinking about maybe signing up for one for the business plan, so I can get the smart sync thing. But I, I need to look into that a little bit more. Um, but also as a straight up backup machine, right? So, like, if my iMac dies, I have a machine that I can do all of my other stuff on, right? So mm-hmm. I can record and you know, so it's like it's like a redundant computer, which is like another reason. Um, and then like. Maybe setting up some other stuff. Uh, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking into Homebridge, but it, you know, Homebridge seems to be a tricky thing to get set up. But the documentation looks okay enough that I could f- probably understand it. But I don't know if I actually have any real desired use for Homebridge. Like, I don't really think I have a lot of devices that need it. So I don't know if it's worth me even going through it yet. Can I can um, I interrupt you real quick and can we briefly talk yeah. about Homebridge and and the HomeKit stuff? I just now have my one and only item in my Apple Home app or whatever the heck it's called. I had a Wemo plug and there is a specific Wemo plug that you can software upgrade to be compatible with HomeKit and I have done that and I now have something on HomeKit, and this is the first HomeKit device I have. I have plenty of smart home things, but unfortunately, they were all bought long before HomeKit was a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a couple of Wemo switches, but I never use them for anything. So, what are you using in general? You're, you're doing everything through the Echo, is that right? And uh, the HomePod, because I pretty much only use the Hue lights. Ah, right. Okay. And they work. That's like my only thing that I use is Mm -hmm. just the Hue stuff. So it works with everything. So I don't need, like, so the only, I have some Wemo switches, right? But we use them just for the tree every year, for the Christmas tree. Right. It's basically the only thing I ever use them for. But I have that on a timer now. So it doesn't need the, it doesn't need to be in HomeKit because I just set it up in the Wemo app Mm -hmm, with a mm -hmm. timer so it turns on and turns off. So I guess the thing, right? So basically I did this because I wanted to be open to be able to try different things, right? So like it was more of like a this is a long-term project type dealio. Um, But one of the things, like having, having access to a Mac from an iOS device can also be useful for other stuff. So like, for example, I have considered like, what would it be like to pre- to like edit shows on iOS, right? But I don't want to give up some of the tools that I have on my Mac. Well, now I don't need to because I can just put the file in Dropbox. I can do the like the pre-production stuff that I do in Adobe Audition and just save it back in the Dropbox again, and then it's on my iPad. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just stuff like that. And 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 I'm I'm kind of like thinking about other little things I can do. But it's a it is a long term project, but something I've wanted to to sink my teeth in for a while. Yeah, and you know, there's plenty of other things you could do with this. Um, you know, to round out the Homebridge conversation, I agree with you that even despite the fact that I only have one HomeKit, well, I guess it's actually because I only have one HomeKit device, I I feel like I should want to do HomeBridge because that would hypothetically get some of my other older devices into HomeKit. But the couple times I've looked into it, I came to the same conclusion as you, which is that even for me, a professional developer, it looked super fiddly and super fragile, and I just didn't really want to be bothered with it. But you you might want to think about running a Plex server, maybe, if you ever really 
you know, buy any physical media, which last I heard, I don't think you really ever do anymore. Um, but if you had media that you acquired either through, you know, interesting means or just because you bought like discs or something like that, you could run a Plex server on your Mac mini. Although again, I think for you, you'd probably be better served just by having a Plex account and using the client on your iOS devices. Uh, you could run a VPN on your on your mini, which is nice, you know, so rather than paying another service for a VPN access when you're traveling and don't want to be on, say, the Starbucks Wi-Fi or something like that, you could run that out of your own house, which is something I do on my Synology. Uh, we talked about Homebridge. If you ever print anything and don't have a, uh, what is it, AirPrint compatible printer, you could run some sort of, I feel there's some app or some software product that will. Oh, that's something I'm going to, I'm definitely going to, going to try. Yeah, there is, a, there is an app. I don't I remember the name yeah, of it. Yeah, I can't either. We will find it and put it in the show notes so we don't get a million emails or tweets about it. So don't worry, we will 100% find it. But I'm going to, I'm going to put it in there because we have a Epson printer that, uses um an app to print with and it's fine but it's a pain in the butt mm-hmm. right like it's just like oh, really you're such a pain in the butt this printer because sometimes it doesn't work and so having access to AirPrint would just make stuff would just make stuff easier i think yeah yeah and that's the only stuff i could really think about offhand i, I... printopia oh uh, yeah there you go uh but yeah i think having a, a redundant computer in the house is obviously not a bad thing i am I'm impressed by how well this Luna display thing seems to be working out for you so far. I'm surprised it's working as well as it, it is. It is wild, honestly, that it does work that way. But like with an Apple Pencil and my smart keyboard, I can just straight up use it like it's a laptop. Like I'm genuinely surprised at how well it works just because it just doesn't seem like it could. Like I remember when they approached us, I was like, all right, I want to test this thing. So they sent one to me and I was like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was testing it with my iMac. I had the DisplayPort version. I was like, oh, it does work. But kind of just left it at that because I didn't want to leave my iMac on all the time, right? But uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted the Mac Mini. So Yeah, yeah. All right, what else is awesome these days? Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project, maybe for your business, maybe for an event you've got coming up. No matter what type of website you want to make, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that gives you all the tools that you need. They have online store functionality and blog functionality and so much more. You have beautiful templates that you can customize. You can grab a unique domain name so everything's all in one place. They are the all-in-one package for you there's nothing to install or patch or upgrade you don't have to worry about any of this squarespace has got you covered they integrate with a bunch of third-party services you know like for example we uh when we built our wedding website on squarespace which is super easy to do we were able to integrate it with google sheets so when people filled out a form on the squarespace website it filled out all that information in a google sheet for us very very cool indeed you can sign up today to try squarespace out go to squarespace.com analog and you get a free trial you can try it out as much as you want to your heart's content tinker around of everything it's like a full trial you get to see everything and then when you want to sign up for a plan to set that website out into the wild uh, you just need to pay uh, for, for one of their plans sign up they start at just 12 dollars a month but you can get 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain if you use the offer code analog a checkout. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash analog and the code analog to get 10% of your first purchase. So thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So we're recording exactly a week before Christmas, but this, do, this do, episode do, do, will... Do, 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 do. 
Da 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 da. So this will come out presumably within a couple of days of Christmas. So it is only appropriate, especially for the newly married man, to talk about what is your Christmas agenda to the best that you are willing to share, keeping your opsec you know secure. As I love to mention to you every time you make reference to that, being married changes nothing um, <laughs> in this regard. Uh, because we we had started the Christmas family alternation method last year. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it was the year before was actually when it was begun. But last year was the first alternation, if that makes like yeah, well, yeah. well, for me anyway. Um, it, it started two years ago for Adina when she joined my family for Christmas. Uh, then last year we went to Romania for Christmas, but it was ruined by the fact that I got a really nasty stomach bug. Oh, that's right. Christmas Day in bed. So we've all got our fingers crossed for a better Christmas next year. Um, but this year we are all going to uh, my uncle's house and we're all as a family, uh, bar my older brother, because he's going to be at home with his kids. Um, we're all going to be uh, staying at my uncle's, including me and my wife will be there. And we're going to be spending the whole week. Like I say weekend, it's not a weekend, but you know what I mean, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. When I say the weekend, mm-hmm. it's like Christmas Eve to Boxing Day afternoon will be the plan. Mm-hmm. And is this a, a long train journey or a short train journey or not too bad at all? It's like, you know, maybe a 90 minutes. Okay. from from us something like that it's not too bad basically uh but it all starts with we're going out for a meal with my dad on christmas eve and then uh we'll then be going out to spend with the family stuff uh later on in the daytime so nice and i assume you're excited i am i am uh i because i didn't really have a christmas last year unfortunately i missed all of the good stuff um so i'm i'm looking forward to it uh, I am so yeah. I'm very very excited about it. I am also genuinely uh, very hopeful that I'll get to have a better Christmas in Romania next year because mm-hmm. it's important to everybody um, in my household that I do right. Like I <laughs> I don't want to feel like I'm trading off with a good Christmas and bad Christmas every year. Yeah yeah yeah. Right and obviously you know Adina doesn't want me to feel that way because she wants to be able to spend Christmas with her family without needing to worry about me and it, it you know it shouldn't be a problem it was a problem this time but I think it was just bad luck really because um, I've been to Romania many times eaten whatever and it's been absolutely fine I don't know if it was something I ate I don't know what happened but I just was sick I was just very sick and this, but it lasted for a while afterwards but um, so I'm, I, yeah, I am very hopeful for a, for a better Christmas next year, and I'm hopeful that we have a good Christmas this year. Yep, definitely. Uh, we can't spoil anything, but uh, are you pleased with what Santa's come up with for Adina this year, or, or is this a light year for you guys? Since you've, I don't know, you've spent a little bit of money on, on each other this year. How, how are you handling that? Um. Well, so <laughs> like, it was gonna be. A light year. Until. Like, that was the, the plan. And then, like, Adina mentioned... So, I I push for Adina to have a creative hobby, like a creative outlet. Um, she is a talented illustrator, but it's just not something she's interested in doing anymore. Um, she just doesn't want to do that. I won't speak for her exactly, but like you know, it's just something she just doesn't doesn't float her boat anymore. And then she spent most of like the last couple of years being so preoccupied with like 
buying a house, planning a wedding, right? That she felt like she didn't really have time for hobbies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then Adina can, uh, she did as a as a younger woman play the piano. She took piano lessons, and she knows a couple of songs very well. And she can, you know, she can trot them out at any gathering and impress everyone. Oh right? man, I wish I could do that. Yeah, I know, I know. It's so frustrating. But she's got a couple of those. And she just mentioned a couple of weeks ago that she was interested in playing again. So for Christmas, she knows this, she's getting a digital piano. What does a digital piano mean? I know nothing about pianos. Exactly. So it's not a keyboard and it's not a piano. So it doesn't have strings inside, right? Interesting. But like, so here are some of the differences. So the keys on the keyboard are weighted to feel and act and react like piano's keys. Mm-hmm. Right, and when you press a note, it is not playing something generated by a computer. Mm-hmm. By and large, so there are say there are like fifteen different what are called voices on a digital piano, which are like instruments, right? So like this piano, that piano, an organ, a harpsichord, etc. Right? You know, you everybody's played this with the keyboards in music class, right? Like you go through all the different sounds like oh this one sounds like a dj and this one sounds like a drum kit yeah yeah yeah. but on the digital piano by and large they tend to be things that you play by keys unless you get something that's very expensive and it has tons of these things in but a digital piano has at least one setting my is my understanding um, but this one has two where when you press down on a key it is playing a recorded audio file of an actual grand piano Interesting. So the companies that make them, so we are going with Yamaha, right? So Yamaha have a couple of pianos that are really are really well regarded. So what they did was they used a binaural microphone to record each note. Mm-hmm. And then these are the, the audio files that are stored in the memory of the digital piano. Mm-hmm. So you can, when you press down, it is playing like the sound of the Yamaha CFX or something. Now, I'll say all of this knowledge is just what I have learned. So much of this could be wrong, but like that is my understanding of some of the main differences between a keyboard and digital piano. And it comes in like a frame, right? So it's like a stand-up piano, you know, like it's got, as you would imagine it to be, it's got pedals as well, which is another part, right? So like it, by all, for all intents and purposes, acts like a piano, without needing to be so big. So, like, they are created for space-limited environments. Hmm. That's Also, cool. the digital pianos do not cost 15,000 pounds. <laughs> That's also a nice benefit. But they are, if you want to get a good one, and we are getting a, a, a pretty good one, they are, it's, it's what makes Christmas go from light Christmas to heavier Christmas. But I desperately want to encourage my wife's creativity. So I would do this. As I said to her, I'm just pleased she said it in December (laughs) because if she would have said it in March, I probably would have tried to, I would have arranged to buy her a piano in March. So I'm just pleased that in December she said, oh, I want a piano. So So I'm very excited to have this thing uh, enter our home at some point over the next few days. Um, And I can't wait to see... uh, how much more musical our home becomes. Um, INUK in the chat has asked if it has a MIDI interface. So this is one of the great things about this type of stuff. If you get the right type of model, 
there is a there is a couple of connectors. One, we bought like a little Bluetooth connector, so you can. They have a couple of apps that you can link to the pianos to change settings and stuff. Um, but also there is a what they call USB to host, whatever the frick that means. But basically, <laughs> yes, you can connect this to a computer, and then that opens up a world of possibilities, right? So that's super cool. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. So when when um, is it arriving? Do we know? Some point over the next few days is my understanding. Okay. We, we were told it will be delivered before Christmas. Nice. But we're waiting because it's being delivered and like put together by a company, mm-hmm. right? So like like a piano delivery company. I don't know. Gotcha. It turns out it needs to be built and I don't want to do that, right? Like, oh yeah, that one key doesn't work because Mike put it together. <laughs> right. Right, like yeah, no, thank that's, you. that's what happens. So what about yours? Uh ours is mostly normal. Um this year is Aaron's family's year, as we have just discussed moments ago, and as I've been beating this drum since pretty much Wait, do you do Thanksgiving and Christmas the same? No, 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 no. So it was my family Thanksgiving, Aaron family Christmas next year. That was it. Yep. You were complaining about your family's food, not Aaron's right. family's food. <laughs> well, I mean my family's food, it was it was fine. It was tasty, but by most reasonable definitions, um, it was not as as scrumptious as maybe Aaron's family would be. And my mom, whom I love dearly, would also agree that Aaron's family can cook a better Thanksgiving meal than than she can. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. Anyway, uh, we will be uh, with Aaron's family for uh, this Christmas season. And as it turns out, we have like several days of, of Aaron's family back to back to back to back. So we have. Uh, let's see. I think it's this coming Friday. Uh, we're going on a tacky light tour, which I think we've discussed in the past. The short, short version is Richmond, Virginia goes crazy with uh, Christmas lights and the newspaper, mm-hmm. local newspaper will curate a list of all the different houses that have put like tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Christmas lights on their houses. And so uh, we go around and we will look at all the Christmas lights with the kids and with some of Aaron's family. That's Friday. Saturday, uh, I think we uh, are doing an annual thing, or at least Erin is, where she goes with her sister and her mom and bakes Christmas cookies. Sunday is the celebration of my brother-in-law's birthday, which was actually th- which is actually Thursday. Monday is Christmas Eve. Friday is Christmas, and then on the twenty sixth, which you would call Boxing Day, that's when everything slows down, and I think we take a breath. So it's going to be a whirlwind weekend. However, I'm very much looking forward to it. I like Erin's family quite a bit which is good because at this point it's been my family as well for 10 plus years. And so uh, I am looking forward to it, but it's funny that it's been this particular year. It's like, you know, every single night we have some sort of agenda item, which uh, I think will be a bit of a marathon, but I am looking forward to it. Uh, but you got off, you, you got off uh, the, the spotlight off of you a little bit too soon, my friend. I don't remember having received a Christmas card from you last year, but I did receive one this year. Oh, yeah, we sent out Christmas cards this year for the first time. I was going to ask. We figured we couldn't get away with it anymore. Yeah, you know, we skipped it when we were married for, you know, the first several years. And then right around the time we were starting to feel like, man, maybe we should probably start doing this. Uh, That's when Declan was born. And so our first Christmas card that we sent as a family was a kind of half Christmas card, half birth announcement. Um, and, And that's what we did in 2014. And now... You know, four years on, we're doing a regular Christmas card like everyone else. And it's it's fun and enjoyable, and I look forward to them every year. Um, but it is... Well, see, we always get sent them, and I have been for many years. Mm-hmm. My American friends send me Christmas cards. This isn't a thing that really happens in Britain, especially oh, right? people people making their own. Oh, like, you might okay. get from some, some very close friends or family members... 
by and large, you might just get like something somebody bought from a store, right? And you send those out. Mm -hmm. But the idea of like we make our own Christmas cards and send them to our friends and family is a very American thing. Interesting. Um, But so we only get Christmas cards from our American friends or from people who, like me, live in this country but have a lot of American friends and get a lot of cards from American friends. So then they have a card that they then send to their friends in the UK as well, right? Gotcha. So um, we thought, well, we should... If any, if there's a good time to start, it would be now because we're now married. Um, and the other was... And we also have this year a lot of professional images that we can choose yeah. from the wedding. <laughs> so we chose our favorite wedding picture and sent a card out with that on it. Yeah. Um, and also we did a funny thing uh, when we were in Las Vegas. We mailed them from Las Vegas, which confused everybody, which was brilliant. It, it, it confused me deeply because I... Uh, we know like a, a family friend in Las Vegas, but not well enough that I would have expected a Christmas card from them. And so we got this card, you know, that that's labeled as being from Vegas. And I was like, what? Because it was clearly a Christmas card. It wasn't like spam or something. But who do I know in Vegas? And then I real I opened it up and realized, oh, those jerks. I know exactly what they did. And it's brilliant. They decided to save all that international postage and just dump a bunch in the mail when they were in the States. <laughs> it might actually be possible like next year we send all of our Christmas cards in October, right? Because <laughs> that's, you know, like whenever I'm like my last trip to America that year, I'll just take them all with me and mail them. That's smart. Because it's such a pain in the butt to send like all of that all like you know like 20 25 cards or something from the uk to america oh, yeah. that's a pain yeah i actually just mailed your christmas card this morning and it is two dollars a card for us to do uh something overseas which you know it, for me it was like five people so it wasn't that bad but for you it's the opposite of what i'm dealing with you know the overwhelming mm-hmm. majority for you is overseas and almost nobody is domestic and for me it's quite the opposite so it was very smart i laughed quite a bit i almost laughed more over the over the the mailing strategy than i did well with the car. We, we do have to send see this is the thing we're then sending a bunch into europe ah right okay yeah because right? you're a tiny island nation now- well, but, no, but like now that we have cards, we'll send them to everyone, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. like remain, like we're gonna send some to Romania. One went out to Rome, you know. Mm-hmm, like they mm-hmm. they move all about these cards. Yeah, I got you. Well, in any case, uh, I just want to let you know that I am prepared for my New Year's surprise this year. Uh, I am ready, so okay. um, I expect to see you in just a few weeks. I think we'll both be very surprised if we see each other <laughs> over New Year's. <laughs> Don't ruin my hopes and dreams, Michael. I think I should, though, because I'm not going to be at whatever it is you're doing at New Year's. Like, I'm not going to be there. I just need you to know that. But, Mike, come on. It's like tradition now. No. <laughs> we did it one time two years ago. It wasn't even last year. No, one data point makes a line. And last year was my fault because of Michaela. So well, I think I think it's reasonable that we pick it back up this year. Okay. <laughs> then I'll look forward to seeing you in London. I already did that this year. I've been to America this year. Every time you have an answer. All right, before we really get angry at each other, why don't you tell me about something that's awesome? Pingdom, the company who make website performance monitoring super easy. Everybody loves a fast website, and Pingdom help keep a lot of your favorite sites online and running smoothly. Slack, Twitter, Relay FM, Netflix, these are just a few companies who trust Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring because websites are very, very complicated. With Pingdom, you can monitor any site transaction, stuff like user registrations, logins, checkouts, and also just the availability of your entire website. If any of that stuff is having problems, Pingdom will let you know. You will be the first to know 
Well, you'll be second to know. Pingdom's first to know, then they tell you, and then you're <laughs> second to know. Which is really good, because you don't want to be seventh to know, which can happen a lot, especially if you're not doing anything like this. If you're not using Pingdom, the way that you find out something's broken is from a support email. Nobody wants to deal with that. It's super easy to get started. All the Pingdom needs is your URL, and they'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM, and you can get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required, so you can see how great Pingdom is. Although there is a funny thing. I love, I love that so Pingdom do a lot of great stuff, right? They also do like um, just general performance monitoring, which I enjoy. So they can tell you like how fast everything's loading and all that sort of stuff. And they send you reports. But like their biggest feature is the fact that, and their best feature is the fact that they will tell you when something breaks. So to really understand how good it is, you kind of have to hope your website breaks during the trial. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully it does. And if it does, then you'll know how great it is. But if it doesn't, you should still sign up because Pingdom's awesome. Use the code analog at checkout and you'll get a wonderful 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. So when I went independent in July, I wasn't entirely sure what my working world would look like afterwards. And as it's turned out, my working world has been largely media-related things, so podcasting and YouTubing, and we've talked about that quite a bit in the past. However, that means that over the last several months, I have mostly stopped looking at writing code. Yeah, I'll do a little bit here, a little bit there, but I've mostly kind of left that behind. And I got feeling kind of bad about it. I got feeling kind of bad about it because I missed it. And I got feeling kind of bad about it because I felt like I was letting my muscles atrophy. And kind of the whole point of, of throwing caution to the wind and doing what I'm doing right now is that I kept telling myself, well, as long as you're not an idiot, then you can always get a regular job again. You know, I could even go back to my old employer if I play my cards right. But I realized I hadn't really opened Xcode, which is the program in which I write, you know, iOS apps. And I hadn't really opened Xcode and really sat down and written anything in months, almost six months. And... That was starting to feel gross. I was starting to miss it. And I was getting a little nervous because I realized it was not tip of tip of the tongue, if you will. Does, does, does that make sense? You know, I was starting to get hung it, up on it things. Was not, it was not flowing through your fingers. Yes. Yes. Th see, this is why you, we are such a good team. Thank you. That's exactly mm -hmm. right. And so I was kind of looking for an excuse to write a little bit of code and figure out something to do. And then I don't know how it happened or what occurred to me, but I think it was uh, actually when I was editing the last episode of Analog, the prior one, uh, prior one to this one, that I was doing it on my iMac, which is what I always do. And it occurred to me, I have this fancy pants new iPad Pro. It would be really cool if I could do this edit on the iPad Pro. And let me just set the stage a little bit and explain to you what I mean by the edit. And we've talked about this in the past and we kind of alluded to this earlier, but uh, the way Mike and I work is that once we record, I will listen to the recording and I will say, okay, at, at three minutes and 42 seconds, I coughed at four minutes and 53 seconds. We talked on top of each other at six minutes and 12 seconds. I started to say something and you interrupted me, but that's fine because it's better if you just cut me out as though I never said anything at all. And that's why I hope that you listening to this very rarely hear us crosstalk. And if if you do, it's typically, if not always, a deliberate choice by Mike and myself that we're letting that through the edit, right? And so the way I would do this is I would play the file in like QuickTime or whatever, and I would have a text edit document open. And when I heard something I didn't like, I would pause, back up a smidge, 
then I would figure out the exact timestamp. Okay, it's four minutes and 31 seconds. Then I'd pause again. I would go to my text edit document. I would write down four minutes, 31 seconds. I coughed. And then I would play and keep going. And none of this is bad. None of this is a problem. And it's not really that tedious in the grand scheme of things. But I felt like it could be better. And I also felt like I really want to write some code. So I'll give you one guess what happens. So I wrote a thing that I'm calling Potator or Potator, uh, P-O-D-I-T-O-R. It's the portmanteau. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Yeah, of, that, that name. It's not great. Could do with some work. I yeah. mean, it's not, it is not surprising that you have like created an ugly portmanteau because you love to do I, that. I love to do that. Uh, so yeah, so that, 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 we're workshop. So really, actually, it's on brand. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, uh, I've created this app that is that is visually very simple. Probably could be described as literally ugly, um, but the point of it is, is that I wrote it just for me, and it is supposed to serve the purpose of letting me play an episode on my iPad. And as I'm listening to that episode, I can mash a button that is literally almost half the size of this entire iPad screen. And that is the, I want to put a new edit in right here. And the app will automatically pause playback and it will give me a series of options as to what this edit, this edit point should be. Is this the start of the show? The end of the show? Is this a chapter marker, a sponsor read? Is this just a general how are they edit? Dis- how will they display it to you out of interest? Well, you'll find out on uh, in a couple of days when I use it, won't you? Uh, but the answer to your question is I have uh, officially designated emojis, also on brand, that, uh, that, right. that indicate what each thing is. So I think there was... Right, but <laughs> no, hang on a second. Hang on. Mm-hmm. What do you mean I'm going to find out? Are you just going to send me a list of emoji? Yeah, there's a list of emoji with timestamps and text that describes what they are. So, well, it, usually there's text. So as an example, when the show should start, I have the uh, little clapboard, you know, that they use on like Hollywood. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, take mm-hmm. one action click. I or feel like I should have been consulted. At no, some no, point no, 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 we're good. No, we're good. <laughs> what will inevitably happen? <laughs> what will inevitably happen is I will send this to Mike and he will either say, okay. I understand where you're going with this, but I think we need to change a few things. Well, because, like, why can't the emoji just be, like, you tap a button and it drops in a word It could. Instead? But where's the fun in that? It's not on brand. Mm, but the... Mm, okay. <laughs> you and I can fight about this privately. And, and all kidding aside, as much as I'm giving you a hard time, one of the advantages of this being my own creation is that if you take this this output as, as input mm-hmm. into your part of the process and you're like wow, this is trash, I can't work with this, then we can change yeah, it. I think there are a lot of things that would work fine. So like if we cross over each other, if you just put a big X there or whatever, like, you know, you, do, you don't need to tell me crosstalk. But the, but my, my point of this is, is like sometimes you are pretty descriptive in what you mm-hmm. think should happen and I don't want that to go away. Sure, yeah. And so basically what happens is I, there's, I think, five different edit types. Now I have to look at the code, but it's something like five different edit types. So there's start, stop, there's chapter break, sponsor break, and then just a general, I want something to happen here. So like a crosstalk, for example, would be that last one. Just, hey, something has happened here that needs some description. So the the, the chapter start, I think I optionally can provide text. The start and end, I can optionally provide text if I really want to. Um, mm-hmm. but, but a, And I think sponsor read is optional. But for the edit, I absolutely have to provide some sort of description of what, right. what is going on. Does so that make sense? So it pops up the keyboard and mm-hmm. then you type in what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's actually, you know, the thing is, like, this is very simple 
this like you know in, in in execution at least right like it's just like a what it does one thing right. right and it's really just for you but this is i guess one of the great things about being an, an app developer right is that you have something that you need to be sold so you just built this little thing and it took you an amount of time and it's not you may never even claim that amount of time back but you claim the frustration back. exactly right exactly right and so i'm now looking at the code the five emoji for the five different edits chapter i, I don't know the official names for these emoji but chapter is like a dog-eared page which i thought was a mm-hmm. reasonable idea for chapter yeah, that, that, that works uh sponsor is a bag of money works also edit is a paper with a pencil on top of it okay start is a little clapper like i said and end is the uh checkered flag from like a race Mm. so i feel like these are these are fairly self-descriptive you will also see mike spoiler alert that in front of each of these is a is the emoji that is like a gray square the reason i did this is because i thought mike is a man who likes himself pencil and paper and things of that nature should he decide to print this out, those will be little checkboxes for you, if you would like. And if you don't like that, that's fine. But I thought I'd do no, that for I you. I love that you did it. I love that you did it. But this, the, the thought that I'm printing your edit notes out is kind of a beautiful thing. Well, because you like pens so darn much. But I, I thought yeah, that this but, was silly, but I thought you would enjoy it nevertheless. So we'll see how this goes. I could at least, you know, I could turn it into a PDF and I could tick it off on my iPad so I don't waste any trees. See, there process. you go. There you go. And actually, one one thing I did briefly look into, but I've not done, is actually providing you a PDF. So literally, the the output from this app would be a PDF. Right now, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's just text, and I, I will take that mm-hmm. as note that you would like a PDF. And now, now you've given me something else to do. Although text is also fine because you've been giving me text for like four years. That's so. also true. So we'll see how this goes. And it's going to be an adventure for both of us. But the idea is, you know, I play this back and then it, and on every single time I hit the new edit button, it will it will mark the time in 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 hours, minutes, seconds that this is happening. Um, and it will mark one of the emojis to designate what kind of edit it is. And then, like I said, optionally, I can provide additional text. And at the end, I will be sending you, uh, you know, a big blob of text that is all these emoji and, and so on and so forth. And And the reason that this is relevant to anyone other than you and me it's because it got me thinking about, should I release this to the App Store? And there's several different questions regarding this. So there's the obvious questions of like, okay, well, do I charge money for it? Do I not? You know, what, do I want to support it or do I not? You know, if there are bugs and if there are bugs that don't affect me, do I really care? You know, like this is supposed to be a tool just for me. And if there are bugs, then... I don't care because it works for me, you know, and, but if I'm charging money for it, suddenly I do have to care. And, and I don't want to go into the money thing right now. Cause that's actually not really relevant to the purpose of this conversation today, but it got me wondering, you know, this is a tool that I wrote literally in a couple of days and it does what I need it to do. And I've had a couple of people reach out and say, Hey, I would like a tool like this, but I'm a little bit embarrassed by it because visually I have put no effort into it. It is visually bare bones and simple. And I've sent, I sent Mike an early screenshot and honestly, it doesn't look terribly different than what I sent you, Mike. And if I remember, I'll I'll put a more recent screenshot in the show notes, but I think the easiest way to describe it is it looks exactly as you would imagine based upon Casey's description, right? Like, it is as basic looking as an iOS app can be. Yeah, which is by design right. because, I, again, mm-hmm. it's just for me. Who cares? I don't get offended if something I wrote is ugly. <laughs> so. Not like ugly. It's just it's just lacking of any attempt at design because you haven't yeah. tried. Right. Exactly. Like it's just 
as stark as something can look, which exactly right. is mostly uninspiring. Right. So, so my thought is, you know, if I want to release this either to the App Store or perhaps open source it, is that something I really want to do? Because the code, I think, is good, but it isn't as perfect as it would be if I was doing... I feel like the open sourcing question isn't worth looking... I don't think it's worth open sourcing because I would expect anybody that really wants it can't do anything with that. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Right, like if you've made something that's, that you have... As, a, as somebody who understands how to make apps, you have made something which was nicely done, you admit, was relatively simple mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So I would expect that then anybody that could do something with the open source project by and large could probably also take a crack at writing it on their own. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think right? the only the only argument I have against that, and I do for the record agree with you, but the only argument I have against that is that it does use that weirdo framework that I really love that not a lot of people use. So you could see oh, an example. the Swift RX thing. Or other way around, but yes, RX Swift. Um, so <laughs> it could be used as... Come on, I'm trying. No, no, you were there. You, get, <laughs> you are awarded full points. Uh, that was just a clarification, that's all. Uh, so so you, know, there, you could make an argument that it would be interesting to see how I write an app using this crazy esoteric framework that I love so yes. much. So, but otherwise I agree with what you're saying that really anyone who wanted this sort of thing would probably do exactly what I did and write it themselves. Additionally, I'm sure we have already received several emails of people recommending at least one or two apps in the app store that do this. And com- to be completely honest with you, I didn't even look to see if there's something in the app store and I've seen a recommendation right. or two. I can't remember what it's called. If I remember, I'll try to put it in the show notes, but um, there was some app that I guess is designed to do this sort of thing. And I don't think even if I knew beforehand that that existed, I think I still would have written this because half of the point of this was to get myself an Xcode again. But all of this, all of this diatribe is to ask the question of Mike, what should I do with it? Should I just sit on it? Should I open source it? Should I put it on the app store? Should I actually spend the time to like design it properly and figure out a way to have somebody make an icon for me? Like, what do you, what do you recommend I do with this? I don't think anyone's, I don't think you're going to make any money on it. Oh, certainly not. Right? Like, I don't think there's any, that that's ever going to happen. As I don't really know how many people could actually use it or would actually use it. Like, yes, there are people, but I mean, it is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, right? One, you've got to make podcasts. Two, you have to want to edit them in this way. Mm -hmm. And three, that this is even going to make sense to be slotted into your current workflow. Like this really, I mean, I mean, I guess you could do it on your own too, but like, I really think that this mostly works for people that edit in the way that me and you do. And I don't think that there would be many people that would do that because if you were listening, if you were the only person doing it, like if you were editing the files while I was listening to it, you were wasting time by not just sitting in front of the computer that has the editing suite in Mm -hmm. it, doing Mm -hmm. it, like just doing it, right? Um, So, I mean, it might just be a fun thing to just, do but the problem is unless you see this is this is this goes back to conversations we had about youtube before mm-hmm. where like you can't release crap now right yeah like it has to be good enough so in its current state probably it isn't right 
Yeah, like, I agree. You would need to do work to it. If it was broken on some device, you'd have to fix it, right? Like these are things you would actually have to do. It has to have an icon that is nice to look at. It has to have a design which looks like you'd actually spent some time on doing that. And I'm not trying to like no, 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 bag on you. You haven't spent any time nope. on doing that. So you'd actually have to do that. And then if you do that, it actually then has to look halfway decent. I don't know if it's worth your time unless you just want a hobby project to play around with and if you don't want that then then i wouldn't i wouldn't do anything with it it might just be something that is something that just is just for you which here's the thing things can be something should be you know you should do things that are just for you not everything has to be performance into the wild Mm -hmm. world yeah because this is still an element of performance for you right you're still performing the developer show, right? Like, here it is <laughs> out there in the world. Sure. Like, here I am. So, I agree. So, I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's the right if it's right for you to to really to put it out into the world. I don't know. I don't know how much of a benefit you would get from that. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that I've mostly come to the same conclusion as you, but I, it's something that I've wrestled with a bit. And I think we talked about this a smidge with regard to Instagram just a couple of episodes ago, and how to some degree I feel like a small amount of compulsion to make everything I do a performance now that I don't have a regular nine to five. Uh, you know, I feel like if I'm not sharing what I'm producing with the world, then it's a waste of time, which isn't ultimately true. And I agree with everything you said a moment ago, Mike, but I feel this like pull to turn everything in into either a revenue stream as meager as it may be, because you are a hundred percent right that it would be almost nobody that would want this. Uh, unless it got treated as like a quasi Patreon, you know, like like a tip jar, if you will. At least it would you'd you'd have a revenue stream that would make your YouTube revenue look good in comparison. <laughs> that's true. Actually, that's a very good point. Maybe that's the reason to do it. <laughs> Maybe that's why I do it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's like, well, at least I'm, if you look at the YouTube money now, it doesn't look so bad. Yeah, look at that. I'm rich. <laughs> look at me on my fifty bucks on YouTube. Woo. But uh, but yeah, so I don't know. It's just it's funny because I feel like that compulsion to do this kind of performance art thing, even though I think ultimately you're right, and I really should just keep this to myself. So I just wanted to talk it through, and uh, listeners, if you have particular opinions about it, I'd be curious to hear it. So feel free to tweet at me. Um, but I, I am no no matter what, I am very glad that I did this. I'm proud of it's it. It's cool, man. Like you've done something you need. Um, you you've used your skills. Like this is a great thing to have done. Very much, I encourage it. Right, like yeah. I think this is a great thing to have done. Um, I do actually talk about the inspiration for this app. Mm-hmm. Is not yours. Is it not? Whose is it? Interesting. Do you not remember where the inspiration for this app comes from? No, but I don't remember what um, I ate for breakfast. Underscore did this for you. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh yes, 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 yes. Sorry, I completely forgot about that. No, I was thinking more near term. I was. I thought you were trying to tell me that like some podcast in the last month has said something about this. No. So uh, this right. is actually this is actually worth discussing. Um, yeah. Uh, years because I don't ago, know if people even know that this existed. No, I don't think it does. Uh, people, but do. I feel like at this point it's not a problem to talk about. No, the statute of limitations has passed. So years yep. ago. Around the time that that analog had first started, uh, underscore David Smith, dear friend of the show, uh, had just come out with Pod Wrangler, which was a podcast player, and I think this was pre-overcast by a few months. Uh, had released Pod Wrangler, which was a which was a podcast player that basically rode on top of the Feed Wrangler backend. So Feed Wrangler is another underscore joint, and he had written uh, Feed Wrangler to be an RSS reader and crawler after Google Reader had been sunset. 
And then he thought, well, you know, all of podcasting is based on RSS, so I can make a podcast client pretty darn easy. Let me just do that. And that's what he did. And I don't recall if I asked him for it or if he did it on his own volition, knowing underscore it was probably that, that he just chose to do it. But there was a secret, super secret mode in Pod Wrangler with a certain gesture completed on a certain part of the screen where you could do basically the same thing we're doing. And so the way it worked was there was um, there was a place to write comments, I believe, at the top of the screen. And then there were a series of emoji uh, right above the keyboard. And so as I was listening, I could tap, you know, the the face with the um, with the mask in front of it if I like coughed or something like that. And there was, I think, the warning symbol if I swore or something like that, because this was before I really could get my uh, potty mouth yeah. under control. And I actually used that to deliver the notes, the, the edit notes to Mike for probably six months to a year because this was something you used to do for atp this style yeah, of edit, the reason true, this exists mm-hmm. is because casey used to do this for atp yeah so when casey the diva came on board with to do a show with me he demanded that he be edited in this way yes and this so is true. that's why we now edit this way where casey provides me with a list of things and then i work within them yeah, but it's very—it is genuinely very useful for me. It cuts—it cuts a bunch of time for me. It saves me time. Yeah, and I mean, some things Mike does, some things he doesn't, and you know, obviously there are two two editors on this show, and mm-hmm. and ultimately Mike gets the final word. But, but yeah, so Underscore had written all this specifically for me, and actually, just a few weeks ago, just a couple of weeks ago, he sent me a screenshot of him uh, having removed all of those files from Xcode from the Pod Wrangler project. Um, oh, which made really? Me a sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's finally dead. Yeah, it made perfect sense but it did make me a little sad nevertheless and yes i i'm sorry i apologies to underscore that i didn't realize where mike was going with this question it the, what what underscore did is 1000 percent the inspiration for this app and this is just a more modern version of the same thing but i just thought it was maybe it was time to mention that especially yeah. now that the code doesn't exist in the application anymore it's even better how was it accessed I honestly don't remember, but I think it was like a triple or quadruple or quintuple yeah, tap it wasn't... somewhere this was the thing that made it so incredible. Anyone could do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it was a thing just for you in the shipping version of the yep, application. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it wasn't like a test flight thing or anything like that. That right there encompasses underscore David Smith's just wonderful personality. Yep. He put this whole thing into an app just for you. Yep, he is a mad evil genius in the best possible way, and I love him for it. Mm-hmm. All right, what else is awesome these days? Let's talk about Linode before we do some Relay Your Feels questions today. Uh, Whether you're getting started with your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode is the right choice for you when it comes to putting a virtual server in the cloud. They have prices starting at just $5 a month, and you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options, and you can get up and running in just under a minute. Linode has the fastest hardware and network options available. They have fantastic customer support as well to back everything up. It has never been easier to launch a cloud server with Linode. They guarantee 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server is up, they want to keep it that way, and they have a bunch of awesome features and things that you can add on. For example, they have block storage, which is a new thing for to allow for additional storage. I don't know what that means, but I am told that it is a very good thing. So that is good. Linode is amazing for tasks like hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating a VPN, and so, so much more. 
Linode has wonderful pricing options available to you. They have uh, you can get a Linode server for just five dollars a month, and this will give you a gigabyte of RAM. But you can also go for sixteen gigabytes of RAM or more on their high memory plans. As a listener of this show, you can sign up right now at Linode.com/analog. That's L-I-N-O-D-E.com/analog. You'll be supporting the show this way and also getting yourself twenty dollars towards any Linode plan. And if you sign up for their one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four months three free. So you can just go and try it out for yourself. Four months for free. I really struggle with that one. Let me just see how you do it one more time. Four months for free. I don't know why I'm struggling so much today, but what I kept wanting to say was like four months for three, which doesn't make any sense at all. But <laughs> with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. Go to linocom slash analog right now so you can learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use the promo code ANALOG2018 at checkout. Linode are an amazing, wonderful, fantastic partner of Relay FM. Uh, we value our relationship with them very, very highly. They're a great supporter of this network. Um, so if you do need, or if you know somebody who needs uh, a, a, a virtual server, please recommend Linode and uh, ask, ask that person to use one of our codes, because it'll also get a great deal. Thanks so much to Linode for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Let's round out today with some Relay Your Feels questions. Yes, the please. first one comes from Mark. Mark wants to know, would you ever consider collaborating on a podcast project with your significant other? I absolutely would, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, Mike. Um, there's a couple problems with me and Aaron, or Aaron and I, doing it. Um, neither of us has ever edited a podcast, despite all the conversation we had about quote-unquote editing. I've never sat behind like GarageBand or yeah, Logic or anything like that. Once you're finished with uh, building this app, maybe it's time that you actually open up Logic. No, because the moment I buy and install Logic, I will never have. I will never edit, or I, I will never not have to edit Analog again. You will make me do it forevermore. <laughs> and so, I can genuinely say right now, I own neither Ferrite nor Logic, and I am going to keep it that way as long oh, as possible. Man. All I need to do is buy you a copy. Yeah, that's all it takes. Please don't. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously there are people that I could outsource that to. But um, number one, uh, Aaron isn't as comfortable with having various parts of her life on the internet. Um, I don't think she particularly minds what the choices I've made, generally speaking, but um, but nevertheless, I don't think she has that same need or, or, or desire that I do. And so I think, you know, she has said to me a couple times, like, we should do a show together, but neither of us have come up with a really, you know, good shtick. Like, top four, uh, as, as loose as those rules may be, and as much as that, that, <laughs> the application of those rules it drives me bananas sometimes it is an incredibly good shtick and and i think it is is really perfect for the armaments and so um i don't know what that shtick would be for aaron and me but if we could come up with it you know i would absolutely do it the obvious answer is parenting but that is the, i will do the parenting Ew. show immediately after i do the politics show which will be immediately after i do the religion show so that is to say no freaking thank you I think you stacked those in a in a tricky order. I, yeah. I feel like you started with the hardest one. Well, maybe, but you you get the point I'm driving at. That mm. that you know it, it it is it is it is beyond here be dragons. You know, no thank you. But what about you and Adina? I mean, this is relevant because of something that happened literally ten hours ago that that uh, the listeners may or may not be familiar with, and we don't want to spoil. But in general, would you do a show with Adina? Yeah, we just gotta have a thing. Yeah, it sounds familiar. I mean, you know, like we just need a, a thing. I, I mean, I th it seems that she would be willing if there was something that really caught us as a as an idea. It's like 
top four is like a perfect show for Tiff and Marco. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it fits their personalities. Like just the the idea, which is a very good one, it fits them. And obviously there are me and Nadina have a lot of shared interests, but we have yet to come up with something that we are both particularly excited about from like a format. Like it has to be it has to have a hook, right? And we just don't have anything. But it's like a thing where it's like, well, it's just something that we always have in the back of our brains and I hope that it will happen one day, uh, but that day has yet to come. The The obvious answer is that you, the two of you and the two of us need to do a couple show, which still doesn't answer the question of what's that about. But maybe if we if we put our four brains together, maybe we can come up with one decent idea. I feel like that's even harder. You're probably right. Mark has a second question, Casey, and this one is putting a, a pretty interesting spotlight on you, which I enjoy. <sighs> As okay. a content creator... How do you justify or rationalize downloading copyrighted material from YouTube and or sharing copyrighted material via Plex? Not judging. I don't own everything on my hard drive, but I try to keep it to a minimum. Okay. Uh, So this is a multifaceted question. Um, Let me start by saying if one was to participate in the collection of things that fell off the back of trucks, as one has more and more disposable income, one would probably cease to do that more and more, you know, so if hypothetically, when I was in college, let's say, and had no money, I occasionally found things that fell off the back of trucks, uh, that would have maybe happened a lot more frequently than it does at 30, almost 37 years old, where I actually have the money to purchase movies and things like that and and music. Um, it is, it is a fair question. Um, I think (laughs) part of the problem is that when I talk about YouTube DL, which is the particular little app that I use to download things off of the internet and save for later the name is the 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 website youtube is right there in the name but as it's not strictly speaking for youtube you can download stuff from a multitude of sites using Mm -hmm. youtube dl and so a great example of this is that uh our little boy declan really likes the show daniel tiger Daniel Tiger is a PBS show, and the best analogy I have for Mike is that it's kind of like a BBC show, which actually isn't even really a good analogy because you, well, let me just continue. So that PBS, PBS is a public broadcasting service, hence PBS, which means nobody ever pays for PBS in a direct sense. And this is a little different from the BBC because I guess you have like license fees and things like that. But my point that I'm trying to drive to is that it's, it's funded either by the government or by donations or a combination thereof. And so as an example, one of the things that I will download using YouTube DL is episodes of Daniel Tiger so that at any moment I can access a library of Daniel Tiger episodes that I've amassed and I can watch them whenever I want. And actually, coincidentally, I also have a TV tuner hooked up to Plex so that I can pull content off of a off of the air, you know, out of the air. So the local channels like NBC, CBS, PBS uh, Fox, you know, I can, I can use Plex as a DVR. Um, and, and so a lot of this content that I think it probably sounds like I'm stealing, I would argue I'm not stealing at all because it's being broadcast over the air and I'm either capturing it over the air or I'm going to the website of NBC and in grabbing it from there where I could have just as easily downloaded it over the air that being said is everything on my hard drive completely and utterly on the up and up no no but generally speaking it is it is very unusual these days that i will not 
pay for, say, a film that I that I that I would like to have on my computer. With regard to Plex and sharing, I don't I don't really have a great answer for that, and I'm just going to move on from there. I struggle to pick holes in your answer. I'll take that as a compliment and a good sign. It could also mean that you're making this answer sound good for you, but I'm willing to believe all of that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a fair question, and it's it's a, it's it's not, I don't know if a struggle is the right word, but it's a everything's a trade off, and I am not I would not be comfortable doing the things that I may or may not have done in the past today. But I do feel like the line, the very thin line I'm walking is reasonable at this time. And that's all I'll say about that. Isabella would like to know, hey, Mike, what is the most joyful and most stressful? This is a page out of my playbook uh, thing about planning your wedding. Right. So the best part, the most joyful part was having everyone that we love in one place. That was my favorite part of everything. Um, It just made it made everything better. Uh, was being able to share it with the people that we love and have everyone together because it was also more than just the day, right? So, like, everyone was around for, like, a week. Uh, The most stressful part was the finances. Weddings Mm -hmm. are really expensive. Mm -hmm. Weddings in a major city are really expensive. And getting all of that in line with what we were willing to spend was tricky, especially when we had that venue closed down. We got, like, a third of the money back, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. Long, well, long time piece of follow up. That's good. I mean, it's still no, a lot unacceptable. Less. <laughs> it's unacceptable. Is what it is. Well, that's all we're ever going to see. That's the thing. Like, it's better than zero, but you are owed a hundred percent of it, yeah. not thirty three percent of it. On a principal level, <laughs> I think I would have. There's a part of me, as stupid as this sounds, would have preferred zero. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just from like on a principal level, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Or it's like, well, you can give me some money, but not all the money you stole from me. Thank you so much, thief. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Aye, that's tough. But yeah, I can understand that. I, I think um, for me, even though I got married quite a long bit longer ago, I think I agree with you that having everyone there was far and away the best. Um, I, I think we struggled, and this is because our parents paid for the majority of our wedding. Um, we struggled a lot with balancing parental requests and oftentimes demands versus what we wanted to do. It's effectively the same problem in in an interesting kind of way. Yeah, yeah. The money dictates what you can do and what you want to do is restricted by the money. Yeah, and and the thing is your money didn't have opinions. It was just that it had there was exactly. a, there was a limited amount of it and there was a limited amount of it for us too but this is why when i look at what happened to our savings account i'm always happy enough with it because i know that we didn't we didn't have to do anything that anybody asked which was great yeah. and ultimately it wasn't that bad for us but there were a lot of very frustrating and uncomfortable conversations that we had to have with with our families yeah. i would say that just based upon what our families were asking us to do that we got to say no to we would have enjoyed our day less yeah, I don't think we ended up at that point, but I totally understand what you're driving at. And it, we were right on the precipice of having to make concessions that I think really would have taken away from our day just because we were tired of dealing with family, forgetting uh-huh. who the day was about. So I hear you. And then one last final one, if you don't mind, Mike, Kate would like to know, how do you handle sick days? And this is kind of relevant given your unfortunate Christmas Christmas experience from, from last year. But when you're just working and stuff like that in general, well, what do you do about sick days? I have to be very sick. Yeah. 
to to not work now. I mean, then that's just the the long and short of working for yourself. I, I have to. The only reason that I will not work on a sick day, like if I'm feeling unwell, is I have to be incapacitated. Yeah. This has happened to me twice in uh, the four and a half years that I've been, or the four years I've been self-employed. Um, every other time where I have been sick, you just have to work through it because yep. it's what you've got. Yep, and it's a little uncomfortable when you're a podcaster because you just you know you sound like this and you just have to tell everyone up front. Well, guys, I'm a little sick. I'm sorry about that, and you just have mm-hmm. to deal with it. But you do the best you can, and so I agree. Well, you haven't had any yet, have you? Uh, I was not not to the level that you're talking about. No, there were definitely some days that I you know dragged myself into the in, well the office, meaning you know my in home office, and I really didn't feel like sitting at the computer doing whatever it was I was doing. Were they hangovers, Casey? <laughs> That's what those are called. <laughs> well done, sir. 